Hey, can you, uh, on Surrounded, can you show me the, what that's going to... Oh, which one? Surrounded, the chord. Surrounded? The verse, just the verse, how the chords are going to sound again, the build up of that. Just the, the setup. That's all I got. It's fun. What, where I get it from? What? She said, I don't know where he gets playing loud from. Okay. 
Do I need to turn my mic up? <laughs> Put me in your head. Did she say I get playing too loud? She doesn't know where I get it from. I can't hear you. What? Yes, she said she doesn't know where you get no, it from. I can hear you now. <laughs> What's your mic number? What's your mic number? Six, nobody's going to be on six, so I can turn that all the way down, right? Okay, I'm just, I'm not going to mess with her settings. What? That's fine. We're all humans. Okay. All right. Well, I'll just, this is always look pretty. Just like that. I'll smile at the camera. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that the Christmas tree is hiding me. What? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, where's that voice coming from? Hello, everyone joining our live stream. Welcome to Grace Covenant. Thanks for coming. Good to have you here this morning. Quite a blessing. How's that weather? Mm. Hope everybody's driving safe in this cold weather we got here. Icy roads. Watch out for that black ice. Watch out for the snow. You guys have a blessed morning. We'll be starting about a minute and a half, just a short moment, and uh, we'll get ready to praise the Lord. All right, let's make it happen, Captain. Good morning, Grace Covenant Church. So glad we could all be here today. You ready to worship the Lord? Are we ready to worship the Lord? All right, good. Okay. I was a little worried there for a second. No one was responding. I was like, oh boy, can they hear me? All right. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, you're an awesome and mighty God. Lord, we thank you that you choose to be in us or with us, Lord, to, to be in the presence of your people as we worship you today. Lord God, I pray that you would bless our efforts to bless you today, Lord. I pray that as we worship you, that we would find you, Lord, that we would have an encounter with you. In Jesus' name, amen. There is no one who is like our God, there is no one 
Who can press his love? I am free, I am free, I am free because of the King. He's the only one who knows the depths of my heart. He's the only one who's loved me from the start. I am free, I am free, I am free because of the King. because of the King. Hey, good to see you um, all. Welcome to Grace Covenant Church. I'm Steve, the interim pastor, and welcome to those of you on live stream. Hope you're comfortable at home. And uh, we are here in the presence of uh, the one called Emmanuel. That's not just one day a year on Christmas, but he's with us always as we end 2020 and step into uh, this this new year. I have uh, a gift of from Tom Duckworth for you. There's a booklet that you can find by the entryway called The Road Home, Roadmap to the Manger, Part Two. And a lot of us were really blessed to go through his part one. This is related to the season that uh, many Christians call epiphany, which is a word that means appearance or manifestation. And it's, it's looking at some of the stories that um, we often don't look at right after the birth of Jesus. So Tom has uh, five weeks worth of uh, pretty simple but substantive uh, Bible studies, Bible reflections. I encourage you to pick one of these up and sometime in the next week or so, uh, begin spending some time uh, looking through these reflections. I I think you'll really be blessed by doing so. Hey, I want to mention that on January 11th, we have the Lifeline screening and there's information out on the table by the door. And then I want to give a shout out to uh, Mr. Jason back here 
who along with others spends a lot of time doing the tech. I mean, I mean, the guys, the people back here have a lot of power. They can shut people like me down and uh, don't do it right now, okay? But uh, a lot of, uh, it's very important what they do it, with the sound and, and the lights and, and the videos and so on. And um, really appreciate the, the rare times there's a technological problem. That's when we look back to see who's there. But uh, week by week, uh, they serve us well. And I uh, just want to thank them. And Mark's been doing that. And, and uh, Kevin's done it for many years in the past. Really appreciate uh, the people that serve us in that way. Uh, Jim, he, he's part of the brains behind all the technology. And we're really grateful. If any of you would ever like to help, um, it, there's, there's room for that. Uh, give these guys a little break and, um, and, and have that feeling of power over what's happening and, uh, and, and more seriously, to, to truly serve us in ways that uh, uh, you may say, I don't think I know how to do that. Well, you'll learn. It's not terribly difficult and uh, I think they really enjoy serving in that way. Uh, I'm really grateful myself and you will be too, that uh, Steve Burdick, a member of our leadership team, is taking us into God's word today. And uh, I, I was really blessed uh, during the first service to um, uh, hear, in some ways a hard word, but, but it's from God, and so it's a good word. And, and there's a lot of encouragement that comes even in some hard things that uh, God may have to say today. So thanks in advance, Steve for passing on God's word to us. While we're here in God's presence, let's, let's worship. Stand to our feet. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, the treasures that fade, are never enough. Oh, there's nothing better than 
the valley, I know that you're with me. Surely, your goodness and your mercy follow me. So my weapons are praise and thanks for me. This is how I fight my battles.
silence all my fears I won't be afraid You don't let go Be still my heart and know I won't be afraid I won't be spoken into existence, Lord God, you had a plan, you had a purpose, you had a destiny, Lord, you had a way for us. God, we thank you that that it doesn't matter what circumstances we face or what trials we come against, Lord God, or, or our own failings even, Lord God, we know that you are still God, that we can still turn to you, Lord, that we can still put our faith and our hope and our trust in you, Lord, that our foundation is found in you, Lord God, that our shelter is found in you, Lord. And we just want to thank you this morning for inhabiting the praises of your people. Lord, we ask today as your word is delivered that our hearts and our minds and our ears would be open to it, Lord, that we would be a changed people because of the truth that is conveyed to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, children, uh, it's time for you to go to Children's Church, but it, before you do, any of you going? Any of you going? Are you going? Let's pray for this one, all right? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of our children. We thank you for the hearts that they have that um, approach you in total confidence, approach you in total faith, and Lord, we just ask that uh, you would bless them as they go off to learn the next step in their journey with you and that they would be blessed and that they would savor you and that they would get to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you can go.
So, uh, good morning. My name is also Steve, if you don't know me. Uh, will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, um, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you that uh, in the worship this morning, uh, you're already wooing and you're already nudging and you're already confirming who you are. And Lord, I pray that as your word is delivered, that that action that you have already started would continue in us and that we would be wooed um, to your ways instead of our ways. And Lord, uh, you know, you know, because you know it all, that um, we have struggled and uh, we have things in our personal lives and we have things in our national life and we have things in our um, work lives that create struggle for us. And uh, thank you for being the rock. Thank you for being sovereign. Thank you for being a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for Jesus Christ, who gave up heaven to be born in a manger. He gave up everything that your presence meant, everything that perfect communion with you meant, and he came to earth in the form of a little baby. And Lord, thank you that uh, he was perfect and was the perfect sacrifice and that because of his sacrifice, we can be in intimate relationship with you. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for what, what you've done in the past and what you're doing now and what you'll do in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Proverbs 23 says that as a man thinketh, so is he. What I've learned uh, in my recent uh, walk in life as a person in this country is that um, my thought life has not always been helpful. Um, in Proverbs 3, verse 21 it says this, my son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be a life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. And it goes on to say in verse 24, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Oh, that's already challenging, isn't it? Because it's so much different than how I feel sometimes. Last week, um, Pastor Steve was um, finishing his Advent series and about naming, and he was talking to us about naming uh, Jesus and how Jesus got his name. And he, uh, so just as a little review, we know Jesus as Jesus Christ, right? If we look back into the original language, uh, it's Yeshua Christos, 
And if we look back at what that means, it is, I am salvation, Messiah the King. Did you know that I am salvation, Messiah the King, was born into a deeply messed up world? Deeply messed up. Probably as oppressed and messed up as it had been any time before that until he came. I am salvation, Messiah the King, was born into a hot mess. How does the hot mess that he was born into compare to the hot mess we live in, right? How does 2020 compare? You know, because it's been the year it's been, there's all these people who, have, who, who think tanks, they call themselves, who do research. And uh, I looked at a couple of think tanks, and um, they, they have come down to maybe 2020 is in the top five worst times, worst years in the history of man. So they say that in 536 A.D., a volcano blew, darkening sunlight for 18 months, lowering the temperature and causing millions to starve to death. So that was a hard time. And then in uh, 1347 to 1352 A.D., bubonic plague started in Africa and spread across the world, killing an estimated 50 million people. In 1918, about 100 years ago now, in 1918 to 1919, the Spanish flu, flu killed mil 50 million more people. Uh, then uh, about a dozen years before I was born, World War II killed 85 million people. As of this morning, in the United States, 332,000 people have lost their lives to COVID and 1.76 million. And I look at well, 85 million, 332,000, and I'm like, how, did we, how does 2020 make the top five? You know, 50 million, you know, 85 million. How does it make the top five? But I lived in it and it feels like it is in the top five. I'm thinking that maybe part of the, the, the cost of 2020 hasn't just been in the COVID. It's been in, it's been in arguments. It's been in what it's done to our freedom. Um, there's been COVID closures, restrictions, the whole mass thing, you know, and whether we protect people or we give them freedom or what, what, do we, what do we do? And that whole argument about that, um, all the riots that, that occurred that destroyed uh, so, many, so, mu so much property and so much heart that was expressed in those riots that you're like, wow, people really feel that way and what a sad thing that is. More than ever, more than ever before in the history of mankind and probably in the history of our country, we have to weigh the sound bites we hear. We have to weigh the news that comes away or the headline that comes our way to see if it's really accurate, right? Is it fake news? I, fake news hasn't even existed until like, what, the last few years? You know, and 
like I'm sure it's true. It's like maybe part of our burden is the isolation that we feel. Uh, the change in what we have known is just a daily walk through life and how our kids go to school and how we go to work and uh, that we get to go out to a restaurant and, you know, all of those things. Maybe more than the actual loss of life, maybe, maybe it's in the top five because of the cost that people have paid. There are so many arguments about what should be done. But the arguments to me, the arguments themselves seem more hurtful to me than the actual issue is. That's just my view. Uh, we currently live in the most polarized nation since the Civil War. In this last election, people of each candidate stated publicly and believed that lasting harm would come to our nation if their candidate didn't win. So no matter what candidate won, no matter what candidate won, 50% of the nation was going to say, oh my gosh, we're in huge trouble. Add to our national and state context the personal disappointments, the personal losses, the personal challenges that you have faced in all of this. It's enough to get people saying, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm not sure I agree with you about all this stuff, right? I confess to you that questioning and even micromanaging God has been my own regular wrestling match. To me, it looks and feels like demonic forces are winning, battles in homes, battles in relationships, in our leadership, and in our state and our nation. In my experience, in my own skin, can't be separated from the big context that I live in. And so the context that I live in, like, rolls over into my personal life, doesn't it? I don't know if it does for you, but it does for me. My, I have strong views about everyone. I have strong views about all this stuff. And I'll tell you that my strong views have regularly tortured me. Regularly. And probably have blocked me from being able to see what my big two questions are. You know, my own junk has blocked me from the two questions. Like you, I have passionate feelings about our state, our nation, closures, mass, public schools, riots, the presidential election, fraud maybe, blah, 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 blah. I have passionate feelings about all that stuff. But my whining about it hasn't even been cathartic because it keeps coming. There's always something next week, right? Uh, when I say, oh, we finally made it through that, you know, then here's next week and the next thing comes. I have not been able to easily see God's view or his bigger picture, that upper story, very well. I know he's sovereign. And here's 
the breakthrough that I started finally to have. That I, when I look at my life, when I look at my family, when I look at what's going on in my little teeny, little teeny space on the planet, all I can see is that God fulfills promises. Even though it's been difficult, He fulfills promises. When I look out there, I have no idea because it's such chaos. Uh, I subscribe to uh, daily Bible verses from an organization called Gateway Bible. And it's interesting because so many of those times, it's one of the first things I do in the morning because I've learned that that's how God will sometimes talk to me on that particular scripture that comes out. It's like, like they did that for me today, you know. And there are three of those scriptures uh, that I have saved and read and reread and reread and reread. And here they are. Isaiah 33, 22. For the Lord is our judge, our lawgiver, and our king. He will care for us and save us. Doesn't feel that way. But that's what he says. Isaiah 46, 4. I will be your God throughout your lifetime. Until your hair is white with age, I made you. I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. Now that one needs to be on my mirror, right? <laughs> and then in 1 Timothy 2, starting at verse 1, it says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for the kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. It's interesting that he didn't say, pray for the kings and all those in authority if you agree with them. He didn't say that. So as I look at what's going on in me, the very best thing that I can do is I can look, I want to look at the patterns in the Bible. And so the first pattern came my way uh, during this Advent season when Pastor Steve was talking about when uh, Zechariah, the angel came to Gabriel, came to Zechariah and said, hey, Zechariah, really good news. You're an old guy and your wife's an old guy or an old lady. You know, you're both old people, but I'm going to bless you with a son and he's going to come and he's going to change. He's going to be the precursor of the Christ. Right. The angel Gabriel says that to him. And this is what he says back. Right. He says, now, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. I'm an old man. And my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. You idiot. Right. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at the appointed time. When Steve told me that, or when Steve said that in the middle of his message that day, I thought to myself, wow, God 
doesn't change the blessing he's going to bring just because I'm an idiot. Right? Now, he might shut me up, which he did in this case. And maybe shutting Zechariah up was in everybody's best interest. I'm assuming it would be or God wouldn't do that. I'm assuming that Gabriel got something or Zechariah got something out of the experience of being silent for all that time. Because the next time he spoke, he agreed with God. Isn't that interesting? Discipline helps us, doesn't it? God does expect those of us in relationship with him to believe that he is God. You know, thankfully, God hasn't removed my ability to speak like he did in Zachariah's case. My, my whiny wrestling matches about him and how he's doing this and how he's allowing it and all that kind of stuff have just definitely reinforced my need to rehearse the promises that he gave me. It's like, dude, I gave you something to hold on to. Hold on to it. I didn't give it to you so that you would just go off and leave it there. I gave it to you as a handrail. I gave it to you as something that would keep you from getting bucked off the horse, right? So when Steve asked me to do this today, um, uh, there wasn't a topic. And so he goes, you, you just pray about it and see what God wants you to do. And so I'm like, okay. So I'm like, God, it's up to you. What should we do? And he gave me this scripture, this next scripture. And it's a fairly famous scripture. It says this, Jeremiah 21, 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And I'm like, man, that's the same promises that he's been giving me all the way along. And when I said, what do you want me, you know, God, what's on your heart about this? That's the first scripture of two scriptures that he gave me. And so I'm like, okay, he's showing me, I don't know if this is going to help anybody else, but he's showing me again that what he says and how I feels are not always congruent. And then, so I researched deeper. I'm like, well, let's look in the context of Jeremiah uh, 11 and C. So I went back one verse and it said this. This is what the Lord says. When the 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise, bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. So this well-known scripture that we give to graduates, right? It's a big thing on graduation practice. Just go to Mardell's. That time of the year, it's everywhere. The plans I have for you, that promise came in the middle of captivity in the middle of discipline. Because you know why they were in captivity? Because they had fallen away from God and they were worshiping false gods and they were going the wrong way and God allowed the temple to be destroyed the first time and pulled them out of the land and said that they would live for 70 years in captivity. But he wanted to prosper them in captivity, right? Now we know that this was a promise to the nation of Israel. 
But what I know is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that the circumstances of that nation might be the same as the circumstances of another nation. Maybe our nation, right? God's, God was reminding the nation and the people that although they were currently living in His disciplinary time, His heart was to prosper them. When you seek me with all of your heart. That's a decision you get to make, and that's a decision I get to make. And that's a decision that's hard for me to make when all of that noise is coming my way. And I'm having strong, passionate reactions to all of it. So I decided, well, I'm going to go back even further in the context. I just went back like five more verses in the chapter and it said this, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So, again, this was a specific word to the nation of Israel, but, but since God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is there anything that he might be saying to us? He says, live in prosperity during your discipline. Build houses, right? Live in prosperity during your discipline. Then he says, pray for the foreign nation's leaders in which they lived. So he's asking them to pray for the people who captured them. Pray for those leaders. And we're having a hard time praying for the guy who wasn't the guy that we voted for. Isn't that interesting? Don't listen to the people around you because they are not from me. How much of the thing, the, the, the noise that causes my brain damage and the noise that causes the stuff that causes my wrestling match and my turmoil is from him? How much of it is from everywhere else? Everybody else's opinion. You know what's really fascinating? God does not break his covenant with Israel even when the bulk of the nation breaks their covenant with him. Yet he disciplines the nation like a loving father disciplines his ch children. So since God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he 
created this nation from a promise he gave to a guy named Abraham that he was going to make him into a great nation and that nation was going to represent him and be his people. Are there any other nations on earth that might look like that? I propose to you that the United States might be one of those nations. I'm 100% convinced that God was at the foundation of the principles and foundation of our country. I'm 100% convinced. And uh, I don't want you to trust me, uh, so we're going to do a little bit of a history lesson, okay? So that, because I want to prove it to you. Did you know that 32 out of 56 of the men who signed the Declaration of Independence, that's almost 60%, belonged to Christian churches, identified themselves as Christians, and half of them studied divinity at their various universities. So was every signer of the Declaration of Independence a Christian? Probably not. But the majority of those leaders were declaring under God, right? The majority of them. I, I didn't know this until I start looking. Um, I didn't know this until I start looking. So who is the first president of the United States? George Washington, right? And George Washington was a general at Valley, 12 years before he became the president, George Washington was at Valley Forge. And he was a general trying to win that battle that went on for a long time. And his, it was, it's, it's recorded in Congress, in the, in the, what's the place in Congress? It's the Library of Congress. It's recorded in the Library of Congress that he would go out, get by himself, he would leave the camp, leave the camp and go pray. And when I read that, I'm like, wow, that reminds me of somebody, you know? That reminds me of this guy, Jesus, who used to leave his disciples and go pray to the Father. You know, George Washington isn't Jesus, but I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Also in the Library of Con Congress was, is recorded a vision that he had while at Valley Forge. He had this angelic vision at Valley Forge. And uh, it's, again, if you want to look the whole thing up, it's in the Library of Congress. That's where I read it. I went to the Library of Congress and read it. And uh, I, basically what happened was angels appeared to him in a vision and he saw that God was going to bless this nation, that God was going to grow this nation and make the nation prosper. He also saw the results of slavery and the destruction that came because of slavery and because of the battle over slavery. He saw that in his vision. And then the very last thing he saw, I'm, I'm just going to read to you. The final angelic proclamation was, while the stars remain and the heavens send dew upon the earth, so long shall the union last. And taking from his brow the crown on which blazoned the word union, he placed it upon the standard while the people kneeling down said, Amen. Isn't that interesting? This guy became the first president of our country about 12 years later. That's who he was. Now, that's the picture of a church, okay? And I'm sorry it's blurry. It wasn't blurry when I, when I got it. But um, after George Washington took the oath of office to become the first president of the United States, 
He made his way from Federal Hall, which was located on Wall Street, about six or seven blocks, maybe eight blocks walk. And they walked to this Trinity Church. Uh, This Trinity Church is actually located in Ground Zero, right? It's located in Ground Zero. And he had a prayer, a prayer, he, he prayed a prayer for our nation in that little church. What's fascinating to me is that this little church is the only part of that entire area that wasn't destroyed but when the Twin Towers came down. There was this tree called a sycamore tree that got pulled over and the roots that got pulled over protected this building from all of the stuff that came down. It's a fascinating history of that church. And it's like, wow, that was lucky, right, that it preserved this church. And... Uh, yeah, I don't think it was lucky. I, I think that there was something more. I think God was maybe showing us something, you know, like, see your roots here, dude. <laughs> maybe you should go back to them. <laughs> and so at the end of George Washington's prayer, as he becomes the um, president, the first president of our country, says, he says this. The divine author of our blessed religion Without our humble imitation of your example in these things, we can never hope to be a happy nation. Grant our supplication, we beseech thee, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, our nation has never been 100% for God. Never. Israel, the nation of Israel, has never been 100% of God. But the people who are in authority of that nation speak on behalf of the nation. And George Washington, as the very first president, spoke very well. The authors of the Declaration of Independence, the signers of the Constitution, those people were all men. One nation under God that they've been trying to take out forever in the Pledge of Allegiance, in God we trust on our coins, that lately they've been trying to take out um, It was instilled in those days and the following days of people who were inspired to live as a nation under God. Um, Just a little more American history, and then we'll go back to the Bible, okay? Uh, In 1492, Columbus discovers America. That was about 575 years ago. In 1619, before we were even a nation, Virginia's General Assembly received the first ship's the first slave ships from Africa. I didn't know that. Um, setting up the beginning of slavery that would officially be, be a business 170 years later when we became a nation. In 1789, George Washington became the first president. And... In 1861, Abraham Lincoln became the president. In 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation occurred. And that, if you don't know what that is, it was an official declaration that the intention of slavery was to end. It was the intention of slavery to end. And then on December 6th, 1865, 246 Years after slavery it began, it formally and legally ended. And so we see that God can bless a nation 
who's being sinful and rebellious, just like he did with Israel. He can call that nation his, even though they're sinful and rebellious. But what's really interesting is, is um, Abraham Lincoln, who we know uh, was a catalyst in changing all of that. When he got elected the second time, this was in his second, I need to read this to you because I'm not sure that you would hear this kind of a thing today. Okay, here's, here's what he says. Whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations are only blessed whose God is the Lord. And insomuch as we know that by His divine law, nations like individuals are subject to punishments and chastisements in this world, we may not justly fear that the awful calamity of the civil war which now desolates our land may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins. To the needful end of our national reformation as a people, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, power, as no nation has ever grown. And that's historically accurate, by the way. But we have not forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand, but have we forgotten God? We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and riches and strengthened us. And this, here's how it ends. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God who made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Can you imagine that being in an inaugural address these days? That he goes on to call the nation to a day of prayer and fasting. He tells them not to go to work, to go to their churches, to stay home and to pray. That was on Thursday, the 30th of April, 1863. Historians say that two Huge victories on May 1st and May 2nd changed the course of the war that would end in a couple years after that. That the battles that began to change happened after the National Day of Prayer. 
So we can't say for certain that that's what caused it, that the repentance of the people who would repent did anything, but it sure looks fishy that maybe that was, it's kind of in the timeline. Lincoln did not see the official end of the war. He was assassinated 40 days later. Andrew Johnson was the president when the war ended. The question we have to wonder about is, did Lincoln's call to repentance and the action of those who responded, not the whole nation, set up an end to slavery and the civil war in the heavenly realms? See, when you pray in the Lord's Prayer, you say this, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means that it, it begins as a spiritual establishment in heaven, and we ask for it on the earth. It is true, in my opinion, that our current national rebellion, I only have to, I only have to look at two things to exemplify it. And these are two things that happened in my lifetime. Okay, 1970... I was in middle school, and that's when abortion became legal in the state of New York. And in 1973, I was in high school, and it became legal in our nation. Since that time, up until now, just in our country, one billion, one billion, one-seventh of the world population have lost their lives, babies. One billion babies. Clearly against God's word and against his heart. God set up marriage. He himself set up marriage to be between a man and a woman. He declared it that way. But in our country, 2015, a mere five years ago, Marriage was redefined as something that could occur between any two people. Also clearly against God's word, clearly against his design. Clearly, we believe that we know better than God as a nation. In my lifetime, I was born in 1958, and I don't remember the first few years, right? Um, I've watched a fallen nation become more and more and more fallen. And it, and it looks like it's going to continue. That's what it looks like. But I'm not sure, because God is who God is, that that's what he wants, right? Back to God's pattern. So we looked at Israel, then we looked at the United States. Now we're going to look back at Israel. So one of my heroes in the Bible is King David. Um, one of the reasons that he's a hero to me is I love that God called him, that God called David a man after my own heart. For my entire life, that has intrigued me to be like, how can I be like David? How can I be a man after God's own heart? How did David li David was a mess, really. As a human being, he was a big mess. And he had all kinds of problems, 
He had all kinds of uh, things that he had to deal with that were unfair and all kinds of things that he caused himself. And God disciplined David regularly. God disciplined him. And when God disciplined him, he would write about it in the Psalms. So you could peruse through the Psalms, most of which, not all of which, but most of which are written by David. And you'll see that he laments in the beginning of the Psalm about everything coming against him by all the horrible things coming his way. But by the end of the song, he's praising God and saying, but you are God and you're going to win and it's going to go your way and I vote for you, pretty much in the language that I'm using. That's pretty much what he says in those psalms. And David's heart was that God's presence, uh, he, he was very blessed by God and very rich and wealthy by God and he built these huge palaces and stuff and he wanted to build a temple for God and God said no you don't get to do that you've messed up a little too much with the whole blood thing and I'm not going to let you do that but I will let you bring my presence the ark of the covenant into a tent in Jerusalem and that didn't even go well it it took two tries to get it right and uh, so it finally happens that David gets in and he is he goes dancing through the streets, dancing through the streets in front of the Ark of the Covenant as it goes into the nation, uh, the nation's tabernacle, which was a tent in Jerusalem. And uh, this is what David says in 1 Chronicles 16.8. He says this, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim His name, make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him, sing praise to Him, tell of His wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look into the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders that he has done. His miracles and the judgments he has pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Israel, chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. So what did David ask him to do? Submit to God. Worship God. Remember what God has done. And then we've also heard in the previous scripture, don't seek the counsel of idiots. You know, we have to be thoughtful in who we let, whose messages we let in. Because I know me. Those messages create junk in me, right? And so it, it probably would wiser to filter out the message before it gets in than to go through the drama that I go through by allowing the message in and trying to refine it and hone it and say, well, is this you, God, or is this, uh, you know, submit, worship, remember. Seek his face, not the counsel of other people. See, Notice also how David understood that God's judgment is a part of his love and direction. So some 50 years later, his, David's son Solomon actually finished the temple. And they um, commemorate the temple opening and they, have, they, they sacrifice thousands of animals God himself lights the fire with lightning from heaven 
And people are falling on their face. People are worshiping God. People are going, oh, thank you that your presence is finally among us in this temple. And they move and they move the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. It was a spectacular scene that uh, you might want to to look into if you like spectacular scenes. It was amazing. The scene is filled with submission. It's filled with praise. It's filled with adoration. That night, though, Solomon is in bed and the Lord appeared to Solomon and he says, and, and this is the second, this is the second um, scripture that God gave me. When I asked him, what should I talk about? This is the second one. So in 2 Chronicles 7, 12, he, the Lord appeared to him that night and said, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a, as a, as a temple for sacrifices. And then he says this, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among many people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. You know, they just commemorated this brand new temple. And God is saying, when I shut up the heavens, when there's no rain, when I command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among you, he's telling them, in, even though their intention is to accept him, and that they were going to fall away and he was going to discipline them. That's what he said. And then he said, if my people. He didn't say the whole nation. He didn't say all of the population of the earth. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will hear their land. So he's not, God's not waiting for the whole country of the United States to repent. He's just looking for his kids to repent. And when I looked at me, I had to repent because of the noise and the drama that I allowed to be bigger than him. Again, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, just as a reminder, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. You will seek my face and you will find me. And when you, if you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. So what does God want? God wants us to call on him. God wants me to repent. God wants me to be humble because I'm his. That's what he wants. And that his plans are to prosper me, to give me a hope and a future, not to harm me. What if our nation continues to go this ridiculous path that it's on. What if it continues? God will discipline. He will continue to discipline our nation. But that doesn't mean that within that discipline that comes, 
I can't be blessed, that I can't have a hope in a future, that I can't confess my sins, that I can't have intimacy. I don't have to do what my nation does. I can be his kid. How about you? And see, the big question here, the big, big question here is what will you and what will I do next? Who cares what politics will do? Who cares what health departments are going to do? Honestly, in comparison to what God is doing or trying to do, if we will, if we will humble ourselves, ask for forgiveness for our arrogance, and I'm telling you what, this this experience for me has been humbling because I have, I have had to repent. I don't know, maybe you don't have to, but I do. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, whoa. Oof. Thank you for the integrity of your covenant with us. Lord, thank you that you won't put up with our crap. Thank you that you will discipline us. And Lord, I don't even know sometimes when I'm spewing out ridiculous stuff, when my heart is going off on a tangent, when I'm listening to all those people that you've told me not to listen to, and I'm letting them affect me. Lord, forgive me for that. Forgive me for that mess. I, I want to listen to you. I want you to be in control. I want your heart. I want your way. Lord, I want it the way you want it. Lord, I, we are asking, Lord, that you would be with those folks who are suffering. That you would be with those people who are affected emotionally, physically, Lord, we pray that you would reveal yourself to them, that they would see that there is this God in heaven who's amazing. And Lord, it might be that you would use our voice or you would use our little card or you would use the, the thing that we bake and take to them. Lord, we just pray that it is used. Lord, I pray for the outgoing administration that... Um, they would be able to walk into what's next for them. And I pray for the incoming President-elect Biden, Vice President-elect Harris, the administration that they're gathering, Lord. Even if it looks to me one way, you are God and you will use this time to do something spectacular. Lord, help me trust you and know that if you have allowed the group that you've allowed to be in, whether I was for it or against it, Lord, I submit to you about that. And I pray for them. Protect them. Move them in ways they don't even know that would fulfill your word. Lord, I pray that we would seek you within our national and world circumstances that the brotherhood of believers would get on their knees and seek you.
And Lord, let it start with me. I'm on my knees. I'm seeking you. Lord, forgive me for letting other messages be more powerful than yours. Lord, we also pray that not only would the gospel message go out, that maybe these times will make it so that it would be received in ways that haven't been for a long time. Lord, I pray that we would look to you in our lives, trust you as the king of kings, and submit to you both all of these things, our lives, our families' lives, our children's lives, our work lives, our lives with our friends, our state's direction and our national direction. Lord, we submit those things to you and ask you to have your way with them and make it good. By the power of the shed blood of Yeshua, we ask these things. Amen. Be still and know that the Lord is in control. Be still, my soul. Stand and watch as giants fall. I won't be afraid. You are here, you silence all my fears, I won't be afraid, you don't let go, be still my heart and know, I won't be afraid, be still. Oh
Amen. As we each go our, our various ways, let me leave you with the words of a very simple song that a friend of mine wrote many years ago. And that's this, that he, that is God, loves you just the way you are today. But he loves you much too much to let you stay that way. He loves you just the way you are today with that surrounding love. And may we be wide open all the more to the depths and the absoluteness of that, that love. Uh, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. And so may we be open, truly open, offering ourselves to the way out of love he wants to humble us and correct us and uh, let us move on with him into this new year. May it be so in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.